Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Merry Christmas, and by the way, that's not introducing me as the Grinch this morning. I want you to know that. We are so glad you're here. If this is your first time with us, or maybe you're visiting back after a while, let's get some house lights on too if we could out in the auditorium, folks, uh, back at the sound desk. Thank you. I want to see all your beautiful faces this morning. Um, If this is your first time in a while, or uh, this is your very first time, we're really glad you're here, and we hope we get an opportunity to to meet you. Um, We're just so excited about this time of year. I know you guys are, and ladies are too, uh, to be with your family and loved ones, and if you're traveling this week, uh, we wish you the very, very best of uh, safety in your travels, and we hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful time with your families. I'm going to invite your attention this morning to the book of Luke, or excuse me, book of Matthew chapter 16, but I want to share something with you. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, uh, the verses will be up on the screen this morning. Uh, We have something really special that we're going to be doing next week that we want you to be a part of. Uh, We're having, we're hosting our first annual Volunteer Ministry Awards on New Year's Eve. That's a week from Tuesday night. It's for our entire ministry, and uh, we hope that you'll, you'll be a part of that. It's at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a red carpet event, and uh, we're going to have lots and lots of fun. We're going to give lots of awards and fun awards away uh, for many, many people that have served so, so faithfully uh, throughout the year at Warehouse Church, of which I want to recognize one this morning. Uh, if you saw our Facebook or you were here yesterday uh, on behalf of uh, Hooten Family Chiropractic and Warehouse Church, we were able to give hundreds and hundreds of bikes away uh, to families in our community. And we want to thank you for being a part of that. So let's recognize one another. And I want to especially thank Dr. Brian Hooten for all the work he did raising so much money. Thank you, Dr. Brian. You're a good man. We love you. And Stephanie Beltran is sitting somewhere on my right. I saw her earlier. Stephanie, wave your hand up in the air like you just don't care. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Stephanie, for the great work that you did organizing that event yesterday. That was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Many families were blessed because of that. So if you would do something for me and with me, um, we have an address up on the screen this morning. It's going to be info at warehousechurch.com. And we want you to participate by nominating the People's Choice Award to the Volunteer of the Year. That is somebody that's been a blessing to you, whether they've been at the front door, in the kids' ministry, with our students, one of our greeters, somebody in our ministry that's been a very special blessing to you. You send that email to info at warehousechurch.com, and we're going to tally those votes, and you're going to pick out church family, who our volunteer of the ward uh, of the year is, our People's Choice Award, and we hope that you will vote early and often. Just don't vote for yourself, because, you know, that's a little, no, I know. You can, you can Shanghai somebody's uh, email address if you want to, but um, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great, great time, and, and we're doing it at 7 o'clock. We should be done about 8.30, and we are going to count down the New Year's at 8.30, because it's going to be New Year's in Europe, 
and we're too old to stay up till midnight with all the other rookies. At least I am, anyway. Anyway, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 16 this morning in verse number 13. You know, Christmas is very interesting because that Christmas, you know, we understand coming to church today. I hope that you uh, have an understanding that uh, Christmas is the fact that we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Christmas isn't the literal birthday of Jesus. Back 2,035 or 40 years ago when Jesus was born, uh, it wasn't on December the 25th. Uh, There's a lot of things you could study to understand it was a different time of the year because of harvest and Passover and all those different things. But we use December 25th as a day that we kind of commemorate or remember the birth of Christ. And there's a lot of great things that happen around Christmas. Uh, How many of you are excited about a potential present that you may get? Raise your hand up in the air. Right? So in the kids' ministry, every hand went up in the air when they asked that question today, right? Uh, How many of you are excited about a potential gift that you're going to give? Raise your hand up in the air. You got something special for somebody you love. You look forward to them opening it. We were with some friends the other night and they bought us some very nice gifts. And um, the gift Nazi was sitting across the table from us. And my wife and I were both given a gift at the same time. And this dear friend of ours said, Wait. You open your gift after she opens hers because I want to see both of you open your gift. Because we like to see that, right? We want to see the reaction. We want to see what happens with one another. We took that time to buy that gift and and that moment that you're waiting for, right? That Kodak slash Facebook slash iPhone slash however you're recording that moment is significant to you and you want to get, you want to remember that because it's important, right? And and Christmas is a lot of things to a lot of different people in our world today. But I want to read this passage to you just by way of introduction. In Matthew chapter 16, during the Bible time when Jesus was alive, this time in history, uh, people didn't understand who Jesus was totally, just like they don't even currently today all, all over the world. And Jesus came into this region called Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples this question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? I wonder if we went out into the, the corners of Plano and Richardson and Dallas and McKinney and, 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 and uh, all over this region and just ask people, just a simple survey, one question, if we all asked 100 people, I wonder how many different responses we would get if we were to ask people, who do you think Jesus is? You know, some people would say a religious figure. Some people understand the historical value of who Jesus was in history, but may not understand the significance of a personal relationship with him. It was the same in the Bible times. Uh, the, The disciples answered Jesus and they said, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some people say that you're Elijah. And other people say that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Basically, they knew he was somebody religious. They knew he was somebody a little different than everybody else. They understood that there was this prophecy or, or, or these words from years ago that talked about a savior that was going to come, but they just didn't really get a full understanding of who he was at the time. I don't want to pose this question to you. Uh, two questions today. First question is this. What did people in the gospel say about Jesus? What did people in the gospel say about Jesus? And one of these people we're going to look at this morning kind of was a Grinch. Uh, they really didn't understand who Jesus was. Uh, the first people we'll look at is, is, a, is, a, is a priest named Simon and a prophet named Anna. Uh, Simon and Anna knew that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, 
In Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read these verses this morning, verses, starting in verse number 25. It said that there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, uh, and he was, a righteous, he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him <clears throat> by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And he was moved by the Spirit, and he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus uh, for him to do what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory uh, of your people Israel. So Simeon understood that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and he even told God, you told me you weren't going to let me die until I met Jesus. I'm ready to die because your Messiah is here. The very next verse of verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. That's Joseph and Mary. And then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, uh, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of, of, of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken again so that uh, thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet or prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Penuel, a tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jesus. So they met Jesus one time and they acknowledged him as the Messiah, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know the story of the wise men. The wise men, when they met Jesus, they came to worship Jesus. In Matthew chapter two, it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi or kings or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him, the Bible tells us. Then in verse nine, it says, and they had heard the king. They went on their way and they saw the star uh, that they had seen when it rose and went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They began to worship Jesus Christ even before they met Jesus Christ. But they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But the little Grinch guy that's in this story, right? There was a man named Herod. He was a king. And Herod was jealous and personally threatened by the presence of Jesus. Continuing in Matthew chapter 2, when Herod heard that, that when Herod heard that Jesus was born, he was disturbed, and so was Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that, that, that Herod was responsible for the wise men to go to worship Jesus, but he had an ulterior motive. Because later we read in the, in the Gospels that, that Herod sent out a decree that everyone that was two years old and younger was to be killed uh, because he was fearful of the child that was born to be king of the Jews. You see, Herod believed 
but his belief scared him away from Jesus and caused him to react not only improperly, but in a way of self-preservation. He felt that Jesus was a threat to him. And it's interesting when you see that thought, why would somebody see that Jesus was a threat, right? He was come to save the world, to, to cleanse people of their sins, to point people to God, to pay for every wrong thing that you and I had ever done. But it kind of goes to the idea of what we see that happens in our culture and our society today. People will make Jesus whatever they want to make Jesus to be. And, and, and for, for many people today, Jesus, the idea of forgiveness, the idea of somebody paying for everything that we've done wrong, the idea of submitting ourselves or humbling ourselves or putting our belief system in something beside ourselves is a threat to people that have other ideas on who they think Jesus should be. Herod didn't want a savior. Herod didn't want a king. He wanted to be a king. He wanted to be in charge. He didn't want his position uh, to be threatened. So he threatened Jesus back. The fourth account we'll read in the gospels this morning are the angels that celebrated his birth. In Luke chapter, nine, Luke chapter two, verse number nine, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah and the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then the Bible says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So when the angels announced Jesus' birth, it was celebratory. But we understand that Jesus was born in a humble way. He wasn't born like a, like a king would be born, where announcements were made and and invitations were set up, and a big christening ceremony uh, was to be held, and all those different things. Jesus was born very humbly, and he came to this earth in a humble way, in an obedient way, and he came to serve us and to serve humanity. The Bible says that after this announcement that the shepherds believed, and they praised God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as though, were, were just as like that they had been told. So we see all these accounts of different folks that understood, they were told, they were eyewitnesses of, uh, they, they, were, uh, they were in the presence of Jesus Christ, and people responded a different way uh, when it came to understanding who Jesus was. Herod was afraid. The angels rejoiced. They knew about it because they were from heaven and they knew that God's son was leaving heaven's splendor to come to this earth to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, we see uh, that the shepherds rejoiced. These simple guys that were out on the side of the hill just taking care of their sheep. Uh, they were hardworking guys. And when, when the angel appeared to them, they rejoiced also and they celebrated and they worshiped. The wise men worshiped, even so much so that when they realized that Herod's motives were not honorable, they didn't go back to Herod to tell Herod about Jesus. They went another way home. And it kind of leaves us with this last question that I want to ask you this morning. Uh, we see that the angels, we see the shepherds, we see the magi, we see uh, Joseph and Mary we talked about last week, uh, Simeon and Anna we talked about this morning as well. 
But the question I want to ask you is the concluding thought in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus spoke back to his disciples. When he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say that I am? Well, some people say Jeremiah. Some people say this. Some people say that. Some people say this. And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, well, hey, guys, what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? Who is it that you say that you are traveling with, of the works that you've seen? Who do you acknowledge me to be? It's a very famous verse because it's quoted by Peter many, many times. And Peter says this, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Jesus responds to him, well, Peter, it's upon this rock, not Peter himself, but it was upon the rock of what he said, that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, that Jesus said that he was gonna build his church upon that foundation, that Jesus was the Christ, God's son. And we understand that Peter's response was a factual response. It was also an emotional response because Peter saw Jesus and saw the many miracles of Jesus. And, and you know what? For the things that we read about Peter in the gospels, he was a, he was a fisherman. Sometimes he kind of spoke out in anger. Sometimes he spoke out in a way that he shouldn't. We see at the end of the gospels that he even denied Jesus Christ. Peter was just a regular guy like you and me. But when confronted with the truth and asked face to face, who do you say that I am? His response was proper. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to have a great time with our families. Uh, some of our families going away. My number three daughter is stealing our grandchildren <laughs> to take to their other grandfather uh, and mother, and I'm very happy about it. Very, very happy they're going to get a chance to spend time with their grandkids as well. Uh, we'll get up and do the things that you guys are going to do on Christmas Day. It's kind of funny when your kids are little, uh, you don't need an alarm clock on Christmas Day. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a kid, my dad, we were kind of trained this way, and it really wasn't because we were super-duper anxious kids, but my dad had a store uh, that was kind of like a corner deli in our neighborhood where we lived, and we were open on Christmas Day, and he opened up at 6 a.m. on Christmas Day. So for my dad to go to work at six o'clock in the morning on Christmas day, he woke us up at 4 a.m. to open presents. Well, that was great for us. We got up at 4 a.m., open up. The only bad part about getting up at 4 a.m. and open up presents, when you'd get a bike for Christmas, you couldn't ride it till after breakfast because we were done unwrapping presents by 4.45, right? So then we had to do the breakfast thing. And by, by the time I was about 10 or 12 years old, I would say to my dad, hey, let me go to work with you on Christmas Day. And it was fun. And I used to like to do that with him. And I'd work with him all day on Christmas. And it was kind of a neat thing for us because that was a, a really special way for my father and I to bond. But it was different, you know. And, and you probably do things that other families look at and they scratch your head. Well, that's a little bit different. Your family does a little bit weird. My son-in-law, Johnny, uh, uh, very Italian background. And we always, we kind of joke about this. I'm not going to reveal anything I shouldn't say. Don't worry, Okay. But uh, they do the seven fishes. His family did the seven fishes thing at Christmas. Is anybody familiar with that? So there's two people that have done that. Okay. So, so they would do this thing where they eat seven different kind of fishes. It was all about the Christmas celebration, and that was great. Uh, we did not do Thanksgiving this year. We went to a wedding Thanksgiving weekend, and much to my chagrin, uh, everything was closed. There was no heat in the house. There was no... Uh, furnace that was on. The house was like 50 degrees where we went to see my son, my, my uh, niece get married. 
So we did the only thing that an American family can do on Thanksgiving Day when you need to eat something. We went to McDonald's, literally. <laughs> That's what we had. I know, I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of that. But we ha- I didn't eat any fries, and I took the buns away and ate that really healthy meat. But... Uh, <laughs> That was so today. So today, because my my son-in-law and my daughter and two of my grandkids are going to go to Philadelphia on Tuesday, we're doing Thanksgiving slash Christmas dinner today, right? We all do weird stuff on Christmas. It's different. We all we'll have a good time. Uh, we're going to go visit some families on Christmas that we want to go see. We're going to hopefully get down to go see my mom and dad in Houston. And you're going to do many of those things that are the same, whether they're Christmas traditions, things you need to do this year exclusive for your family, or how many of you have family that are visiting you this year? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay, that's awesome. How many of you don't have family visiting you this year and you're really thankful for that? Don't, no, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Don't do that, right? But... You're going to do some of those. Maybe you're going to go visit family. Maybe you're going to get on the road this week and you're going to go see. We have some friends that are going to Missouri. We have some other friends that are going to different parts of Texas. Everybody does something different. But, but when it comes time for, on Christmas Day, we're doing the gifts, we're doing the big eating, and we're doing this, and we're, doing this, we're having a great, 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 great day. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do we kind of get sucked into all that? And listen, I'm not anti any of that stuff. We had Santa Claus here this morning, okay? I'm not anti that stuff. I'm, I was, my wife and I had a great, great day yesterday getting some stuff for our grandkids for Christmas. We enjoyed that. We enjoyed blessing our family. We enjoyed blessing our friends. It's a lot of fun. But it's really, really easy to kind of get sidetracked to all that. And it's not just the presents. You know, some of us get caught up in the Christmas mode where we're like super duper people pleasing. You know, we wanna make everybody happy. That's hard to do. You know, this one likes this food, this one likes that food. These kids don't get up until this time. These kids need a nap. I was instructed today. I mean, I was given instructions today about our meal after church because everything had to line up perfectly for us, almost like it was like the stars lining up for the tide in the ocean and the moon coming down and an eclipse and all that because we have church that has to end on time because we have to get home for the turkey that's gonna be done on time because we have to eat on time because the kids have to take a nap on time because my wife wants to watch a football game at 3.35 today on time, right? I'm just talking about my wife, okay? That's her instructions to me. Like all of these things have to kind of line up perfectly, right? And that's gonna be like you on Christmas Day, right? There's gonna, oh, we gotta, gotta finish up, right? We gotta get here and we gotta go do this and this has to happen and, and we wanna have that perfect, perfect moment. But I wonder if it will happen in your life or your family's life or will be communicated at some level with people that you influence who you say Jesus Christ is. Because all that stuff is great. And I think God is pleased, I really do, when we bless our kids. I think God is pleased when we bless our families. I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. But I do wonder if we get caught up in all that stuff and we forget about the, the reason that Jesus came. The reason that Jesus came was he came, John chapter three and verse 16, it says that God loved the world so much right, that he gave. And his example of giving is what we do in our lives. We give. We give because we care. We give because we want to demonstrate our love. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. The only thing you and I have to do is believe in him, the Bible says. And if we do, we'll have everlasting life. 
If we understand that, like if we get that, and not between the, pre- hold on one second, let's read Luke, Luke chapter two for 30 seconds between presents. And it's not to feel bad about the presents or the meals or the other things, but maybe over your meal, over your meal or maybe over some quiet time with your kids that you'll remind them, listen, because mom and dad, if it's important to you, it'll be important to your kids. But if it's not important to you, then it won't be important to your kids. And that's just not about Christmas week. That's about all year long. You know, sometimes Christmas is like that shock, that reset shock system thing we do to our kids. Christmas and Easter, right? We go to church on Christmas, we go to church on Easter, or to a baptism or to special occasions. If it's, if it's important in your life, then it's gonna be important in the lives of your kids by not just what you tell them, um, my oldest daughter, Christina, who works with us here at the church, my dad gives me a hard time. Christina's got a daughter that's just over a year old. And when Christina was about two or three, and if there's any kids in this room, I'm going to apologize for what I'm going to say already. It has to do with Santa Claus, okay? So just get ready for this, all right? She was two or three years old. She figured it out. She, and I, we, we didn't even talk about it. She went in my dad's store one time and said to Pop, 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 I'm ready for Christmas. I'm really excited. And, Christ, and my dad said to his granddaughter, who was like two, two and a half years old, what's Santa getting you for Christmas this year? And my two and a half, three-year-old girl said to my, grand, my, my father, her grandfather, Pop, Pop, there's no such thing as Santa Claus. My dad gets me all my presents. And I want to tell you something. My dad was livid with me over that. He was so mad. You got to straighten her out. No, no, no. I said, Dad, it's okay. We'll, we'll integrate it. And we didn't tell her it wasn't true. You know, we weren't the ones that were like, Santa is evil. It's a misspelling of the word Satan. We weren't doing that. Okay, we weren't doing that. <laughs> and we told her. And she got in trouble like in, in, in preschool. And then in first grade. And then in third grade. She would rally the kids together. It's Santa's coming. No, it's not. Your parents buy that stuff. They're lying to you. She would say that stuff to them. You know, but there are things in, in her daughter's life, Rosie, Johnny's daughter, Rosie, uh, and, 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 and Logan and Tori, that we want them to see important, that are important in our lives. Like there are things that I want them, I want them to see that I love their grandma and, and, that, and that Kim's very special to me. And I always say to Logan, who's the prettiest woman in the whole world? She'll say, she'll say Kiki is, but daddy says it's mommy. And I say, good answer, honey. That's the right answer right there. And I want her to understand because I don't just want to say things that are important to me. I want to live out those things that are important to me. Because all of us in one area in our lives or not, whether we're intentional of this or not, we kind of have areas where we can be hypocrites. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that judging anybody. I'm saying that about me. My same Christina, who's going to thank me for talking about her today. We got in the car one day. I said, Christina, put your seatbelt on. She said, why do I have to wear a seatbelt when you don't? Right? It was a do as I say, not as I do. So if we say, mom and dad, if we say, we say, Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Christmas is about a relationship he desires with you. We say it, but are we living that out January 16th and June 22nd and July 21st and August 2nd and September, October and November. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 15, after the disciples said to him, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, well, who do you guys say that I am? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And church, you're here on Christmas. Why would I make you feel guilty on Christmas weekend? You're here. You know, we don't need to talk about what we don't do. We need to be thankful for what we're doing today. And I, and I honor you. I honor you, mom and dad, for having your kids here today. I honor you, mom and dad, for making this important today, right? This is a big day. It's special. It's a special week for all of us. But I'm going to ask you this before we pray this morning. Who do you say that he is? Who do you live that he is? Who do you know that he is? Maybe this year for Christmas, maybe you know that Jesus, right? You know it factually. Yeah, I know the story. He was born in a manger and, and he did a lot of good stuff and he healed people and he spoke a lot of great verses in the scriptures. I know all the good stories about Jesus Christ. It's all really, really, really good stuff. But do you know him as the savior of your life? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you asked him to, to, to come into your life and be your personal savior. Maybe that could be God's gift to your life this Christmas, a relationship with his son, Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is, and the Bible tells us this in Philippians chapter two, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is gonna bow and every tongue is gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But, but here's the challenge with this church. You're either gonna do that here on earth asking him to be your savior. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter five that all of us are gonna appear before him someday. And we're gonna have to give an account. Listen, not of all the bad stuff, right? It's not the big scale of good and bad. It's the fact of whether or not, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Who do you say that he is? Is he this great historical figure that did amazing stuff? Or is he your Jesus, your God, and your savior this morning? I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. In just a few moments, we're gonna do something very special. We're gonna pray right now. I would ask you just to kind of have a prayerful spirit with your heads bowed for just a moment. And we're gonna celebrate something called communion or the Lord's Supper. And communion is not something that makes you saved. When you receive or eat this unleavened piece of cracker that's kind of dry and you would never probably eat it at your house or drink a little grape juice right afterwards. They're, they're, they're really just symbolic, um, symbolic items that help us to remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Helps us remember the life of Jesus Christ. Helps us acknowledge his gift of eternal life that he provided for us by dying. And God gave this, or Jesus gave this time of, 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 uh, of reflection to us so that we would remember, but he also did it so that we would make sure things are right with one another and right with one another in the church, right? It was, it, it, the Bible talks about how the Lord's Supper or communion is a cleansing agent. You know, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, uh, before, you, before you do this, before you acknowledge and receive the items, make things right with one another. And I'm paraphrasing that. But don't take the Lord, don't remember Jesus' life and death and body and blood that was given to you without making sure that things aren't right with other people in your life. 
And it's a great way for us to, to be reminded that not only do we need to confess our sins and confess our faults before God daily, husbands and wives, moms and dads, kids that are in the auditorium today, young people that are in college, the youngest of young and the oldest of old, we have people in our lives we need, we need to make things with, right with every once in a while. I had to apologize to my wife seven or 80 times this week, right? I had to apologize to one of my kids. I had to apologize to a friend of mine, right? We have to, God wants us to do that. When we remember what Jesus did, if we're one of his kids, it causes us to reflect. And he gave us this so that we would do that so that our hearts would be clean for him. So before we do that in just a few moments, we're gonna do a couple other things before we pass out the Lord's Supper this morning. I wanna give you a chance to pray. And the first prayer that I'll encourage you to make, if you know Christ as your savior this morning, first of all, I'm gonna ask you to pray for others in this room who may not. So just pray and ask that God would give them special understanding. And there may be somebody that you brought with you or somebody that's sitting on the other side of the room will invite Jesus into their life to be their Lord and Savior. But also, maybe take a moment and have some time of confession with the Lord. Not to me. You don't need to say you're so, unless you, unless you and I have to make something right with one another. But I'm not a priest in your life. I'm a shepherd. And I want you to think about maybe what you need to make right with God. Maybe you said something, did, did, did something, didn't do something. God's telling you to do something you need to do. I want to encourage you to do that right now in your prayer. For those of you that have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, to be a part of your life right now, if God speak into your heart, you wanna accept his gift of everlasting eternal life and forgiveness and purpose through the rest of this life while you're here on the earth. He loves you, he gave himself for you and he wants to save you today. So if, that's, if you know that you need to make Jesus your savior this morning, if you've never prayed and asked him to forgive you or never prayed and asked him to become your personal savior, can I encourage you to do that with me this morning? I'm gonna say this prayer. I'm gonna encourage you right where you're sitting quietly to pray with me and invite Christ to save you this morning. If that's something you need to do, this is how your prayer starts. You just say this in your heart, nice and quiet. Nobody else in the room's looking at you or, or judging you or anything like that, I promise you. But you say this, dear Father in heaven. That's who you're praying to. Just say, dear Father in heaven. And then say, thank you for loving me this morning. Thank you for bringing me to this church and helping me understand who you are. God, would you forgive me of all of my sins and come into my life and save me. I believe today that Jesus died and paid for all of my sins. I believe he's alive and now I will forever live with you. Please save me today. Thank you for loving me and hearing my prayer and help me, Jesus, to live for you. And then keep your eyes closed. Christians are still praying. If you prayed with me and invited Jesus Christ to come into your life this morning, just right where you're sitting this morning, nice and quietly, wherever you are, would you just lift your hand up with me? Say, Pastor Ed, I prayed with you. I invited Jesus to save me this morning. If that's true about you, just lift your hand up real quick. I'll acknowledge you and you can put it down. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, sweet lady. God bless you, young lady. Anybody else? Pastor Ed, I did pray with you this morning. I invited Christ to come into my life. And I want to thank God for that decision I made this morning. 
God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Father, we love you. We acknowledge you. We, we submit ourselves to you. We humble ourselves to you. Thank you for the example of gift giving 2,000 and some years ago when you gave the absolute very best amazing gift that's ever been given in the history of humanity by giving the world and giving us personally the opportunity to have a relationship with your son. Thank you for humbling yourself and coming to this earth, living a life, doing cool, unbelievable things, directing people's attention to God with healing and great messages and great example. But we know that was the finality of that time on the earth was your crucifixion, but that wasn't the end of your life. You rose again from the grave three days later, proving that you are God, that you defeated sin and Satan and death. And by us acknowledging that, we can have a personal relationship with you. We thank you for these friends today that prayed, invited Christ into their life. We thank you for many that made things right today, preparing all of our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper this morning. We acknowledge you, we thank you, we honor you, and we invite you to continue to be a part of this time that we have together. We ask you this today in Jesus' name, and everybody said it together with me, amen.